Our next guest on the Recursive Podcast is an entrepreneur who is keen on technology and AI as much as he enjoys talking about philosophy and leadership. Ciprian Borodescu is the co-founder of Morpho, a startup that developed an artificial intelligence-based solution to help online stores increase sales and optimize their product metrics. His startup was acquired by the French company Algolia, but Ciprian remains the head of R&D center they opened in Bucharest. Ciprian is a follower of Stoicism philosophy, a sports lover, and a podcast host of a show about artificial intelligence. Chip, welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It's uh, very um, uh, interesting for me to be meeting a founder, former startup founder, yep. turned into a like, person that's uh, running a, like a large, large organization of people. Uh, also interested in Stoicism and philosophy, okay. which would be something that I'm going to um, inspect through in the next couple of uh, minutes. Okay. Um, would you briefly um, introduce yourself as um, a way of like entrepreneurial mind that you have and what did Stoicism bring to your um, skills and um, I don't know, the way that you handle situations in life? Um, I came across, across Stoicism back in 2017, actually. It was after reading Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy. And then I, well, I didn't take that into consideration, but then I went through Alt-MBA, which is Seth Godin's MBA program. Uh, and then we had over there to like read a lot of books and some of them were referring back to Stoicism and Greek uh, philosophy. And I was like, hmm, I should check this out because there are good principles over there. And then I started reading more and more about Stoicism and then I had the courage of actually reading the real Stoics, um, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca and so on. And this was before the pandemic. And it really came in handy during the pandemic because what happened was that we started 2020 with uh, back then at Morphol. We started with a huge excitement and energy to raise our first seed round. And everything went to hell because the pandemic came. But the, this philosophy helped me kind of like understand for the first time, because you read about this stuff, but you don't really understand unless you actually live it. How much is out of our control? And so that helped me ground myself. And the first thing that I did was to actually talk to the, uh, to the people in, uh, in our company, in our small startups, and like, guys, do not worry. What happen hap whatever happens, happens but you will not get out of, um, uh, you'll still be part of this team. We are going to have, um, I'm going to make sure that you will have salaries by the end of this year and even beyond that, because hey, we didn't know if this world would actually need AI anymore. You know, it was very confusing times. Uh, and so the first thing that I did was to take care of our guys. Uh, and I had a kind of like, it helped me, the stoicism philosophy to, to have kind of like a long-term uh, view on this thing. And it turned out to be really good. How did you manage to switch from looking for funding with the seed round to basically being acquired by a giant? Um, 
it happened by well luck luck is when the preparation meets the opportunity i think so because morphal basically was um our third startup um and when i say our uh, i also refer to alexandra she was the co-founder and ceo uh we've been in this entrepreneurial journey for 15 16 years and yes, Morphal was founded back in 2018. Uh, it was founded after we got a grant from Google Digital News Innovation Fund. It was 50,000 euros back then. And then in September 2018, we got another grant from European Data Incubator, 100,000 euros. We pivoted from the publishing industry where our focus was back then into the e-commerce industry and all of a sudden in 2019, before the pandemic, we were already building a platform for e-commerce, still not sexy back then. Uh, we got accepted into the Techstars Montreal AI Accelerator, still not sexy, but we got into the, the accelerator and probably we're going to talk about that. Um, and then the pandemic came, the first half of 2020 was pretty crazy. Although I had conversations with, with investors because it was mayhem and confusion, uh, they would stop answering my calls and it was not just about me. It was not personal, obviously. But then all of a sudden people realized by the half of 2020 that, hey, e-commerce and AI is very interesting. That's why I said that um, we, were, we were lucky. We were the same in 2019. We were the same in 2020, but everything around us changed. And so in the autumn of 2020, we uh, accelerated conversations with investors. We were in the, uh, the same mindset of raising our seed round. We actually had term sheet. We were negotiating with the uh, investors in Romania, investors in UK, in US and Canada. We had commitments and we were on the verge of actually signing that term sheet. And all of a sudden, um, the VP and the CTO of Algolia, the VP of engineering and the CTO of Algolia signed up to the platform. And of course, I get notifications because this is what I did. This is what I do. Um, I, I would give them demos to those that re registered to the, to, the, to the platform and so on. And when I saw that, uh, at the very same time, two people from the same company registered, signed up on the platform. I was like, hmm, what are these guys doing here? Are they spying or something? Of course, I knew about Algolia, but I didn't know about them intimately, what they do exactly. And so I did a little bit of research and I obviously did whatever I usually do, did with the other customers and prospects. I would send them an email. Hey, let's have a conversation. I would like to understand if I can help you with anything and they immediately answered we scheduled a uh, zoom call uh, i uh, went through the platform showed them everything and after about 45 50 minutes uh, julien lemont the cto uh, really in a in a in a humble way in a considerate way but in a direct and candid way uh, he said like hey we're actually interested in uh, acquiring technologies such as yourself. What do you think about that? 
And obviously, I was not in that mindset of selling Morpho. We did not want to do that. We were just mm -hmm. discussing with investors. And I, I told them, like, hey, this is not a decision that I can make in this call right now. <laughs> like, uh, I need to know more information. I need to know more about you. But hey, full transparency, we actually have a term sheet. We're actually discussing with investors now. So let me think about it. Let me... I mean, there are so many things that we, I have to, to do before making a decision. One thing led to another. We had more conversations with them to understand what they are looking at doing with the technology. Um, we didn't want to sell. Uh, we didn't want to sell uh, Morpho. Um, but if we did, we wanted to have continuity because we believe in the, the product back then and today. And so, long story short, uh, they explained, even the CEO, uh, like uh, she came into a conversation with us, she explained everything that we needed to, to know. And I was actually surprised that a, a CEO of that company, I mean, come on, they have, at that point, they, they, they had 10,000 customers, a uh, hundred and something million in Series C investment. And there we were just a, like four or five people startup talking to us. In Romania. In Romania, talking to us um, from, a, from the same level. Never, never once have I felt that they were looking at us down, down on us. So we aligned on values. We aligned on, uh, well, on the financials because that was important as well. And they were very, very generous. Uh, uh, for us, it was still a hard decision uh, to make, uh, even though we, at that point, we had like 90% of the company as founders. So for us, it was a, an incredible deal. Um, but it, also a life, it was also a life-changing deal because after 15, 16 years of doing entrepreneurship, we, we didn't know how to do anything else. That was our life. And so we realized that if we do this, then our life will change. We will become employees, which is not bad, but we wanted to have continuity. We wanted to understand how can we grow? How can we complete ourselves? Because we, I, for example, I was never a, a working for a corporation or for a, a, another company. And so I missed kind of like that perspective. And I remember talking to Alexandra and then I said, like, hey, this, um, so Algolia is kind of like pre-IPO. You do not have a lot of chances of understanding how, how to take a company IPO. And now we have access to that kind of insights. Uh, of course, it's, it's, a, it's work in prog progress. Uh, and uh, yeah, we made that decision. Uh, and uh, there, there are no regrets. We are now one year into, you know, working at Algolia and uh, we're happy. Uh, we have an impact and uh, uh, yeah, hopefully it's, uh, it's going to stay like that for the next years. How did it grow Morpho's team into Algolia, Romania? Because um, you said you were like four or five people mm -hmm. becoming part of your like research and development here on your product to yep. be part of the portfolio of the company. But yep. uh, what did this switch allowed you to do? Like, 
quicker, better uh, yep. the resources. I mean, I, I really, uh, it sounds amazing for me to have an insight on, on this particular yep. process. Yeah. Uh, I had the same questions at the beginning of the year when we joined. We, we took a leap of faith. Then again, they also did that. Um, I have to be honest, uh, for me personally, as a founder and as a CEO, it was not easy the first three, four months for, for me to all of a sudden have other people telling me what to do. Because I was the CEO. I was the one actually telling people what to do. Well, more or less, I'm... Um, Responsible. I'm, yeah, and I'm dramatic for the effect, but still. <laughs> uh, and, then, uh, and then I was, at the same time, I was surprised how willing these people were to actually draw on my insights in the AI ecosystem for these three years of Morphal. That felt, uh, I felt like I had impact. I, had, I felt like these people actually care about what I want. Um, and as head of uh, AI R&D in Romania, uh, what I noticed is that I had absolutely, uh, well, increased powers or capabilities of hiring the best people. And when I... Um, Look, right now we are eight people. We doubled in size, but it's not uh, a lot. And the reason we have these eight people now and not uh, 60 people is that we do not hire people and we do not think of, uh, of people as being a you know, transactional matter. Um, our hiring process is designed to have five steps. And we talk about values. We actually have half a, half a day, the, the fifth step is half a day we talk about values because we want to hire people that um, not necessarily think like us. We encourage the diversity, but at least they have our values or their values are aligned with ours. And so, what, so that's the part with the, you know recruitment and everything. And we want next year to be 20 people. So we're going to accelerate, accelerate that. Um, what I also noticed is that while as a startup, you can make decisions really, really fast, and the next day you have an MVP. Obviously, in a company that at the beginning of this year, Algolia was 300 people, now we're over 500. Things take time. But when you make that decision, my God, it's like a, uh, it's like a train a locomotive. When you start, you started hard, starts and start, but when you start, you cannot really stop it. And I saw that, so after Morphal got acquired, the technology from Morphal was split in two. One uh, product we launched was uh, Algolia Recommend, and I was part of that, uh, that team. We launched Algolia Recommend in June. And I could actually see how in three, four months, people inside of Algolia, together with the uh, uh, you know, ex-Morphal team, we actually launched a new product. And that was amazing to see. And scalable to 10,000 customers. Not uh, just an MVP, not uh, you know, a, a product that you, as a, as a four, 
of people personally, let's say you say like, it's fine, we can try it out and improve it afterwards. So that was amazing to see the power uh, at Algolia. Great, super, super cool. Uh, I've always um, wanted to have the conversation with a person that switched from entrepreneurship to, to this um, way more resourceful, but yet um, due to the flexibility that you acquired prior to this, um, basically forming like two great powers together. Okay, I would like to go back a step. Mm -hmm. You said that you've been more than 15 years into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. What sparked the drive in you? Um, you know, I actually asked the very same question myself. Um, as a side note, something is afoot with us between 30 and 40 years old, you begin asking yourself these kind of strange questions. And for some of us, at least that happened to me, I, I remember things that I did, didn't even know I have in my memory. So a few years ago, I remember that uh, I was 10 years old. This, this was, was super weird. So I was 10 years old. It was just right after the, the revolution in Romania. And I don't know if you guys had this, but we had turbo gums, chewing gum. Yep. Collecting the images of the cars. There we go. Exactly. Southeastern Europe. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. This is like the Eastern Europe mafia. Exactly. <laughs> so what I, what I did as a 10 years old, I actually wanted to have more pictures with cars. And of course, my parents wouldn't give me the money. Because one, we didn't have it, and two, is, it was like it was not really healthy to eat a lot of gum. Um, and so I had this unfair advantage of having some uh, more toys than the other kids on the block. So what I did was, I don't even know when, where this came from, but I actually started renting my toys for pictures with cars. <laughs> and that actually made sense and people and you know kids uh came to me with their pictures with cars and uh, we would exchange here you are this is the game you can play it for like half an hour or something like that and so after you know a few days a few uh, up to a week i think it was um i managed to get uh, like a few hundred uh, pictures with cars and I, I was very happy but then i thought like hey what if i rent these toys for Longer periods. No, for money. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started. This is a true entrepreneur right there. Well, it didn't feel like that because I, I mean, I was 10 years old, but I started doing that. And of course, it was short lived because the spoiled brats, what they would do is they would go uh, and steal money from their mother's uh, purses and uh, father's wallets. <laughs> And their parents eventually started talking to my parents. And my first uh, uh, venture went, went into a screeching halt. Uh, and uh, yeah, but... Regulations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was... <laughs> but that I, I actually remember that at 30-something years. And it, it, it's, it, it's amazing. My interpretation at that age was that, hey, that was an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spark. My parents didn't have the education to recognize that. Clearly, the neighbors and everyone else didn't. 
Um, and and so I it stopped. It it went, you know, kind of like buried in buried inside of me for years and years and years. And it sparked again uh, in college when uh, I met uh, I met Alexandra uh, because we went through the same university. Uh, we started as uh, you know, uh, as a couple, but they ended up being business partners as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, but somehow I knew that I wanted to have an impact. Even when I was a kid, mm. I, I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to, to have meaning to, to do, to have an, a positive influence on, on those around me. And I know it sounds, uh, you know, cheesy and all of that, but I actually, I, this is how I, live today as well yeah talking about values and what you just said is like yeah i, I really i can relate so so much to it it's Thank amazing you. okay i'll, I'll get, get you back on alexandra mm -hmm. because um first thought is it's an amazing to have a smart and dedicated wife right um like a I'm, partner i'm i'm very lucky to to be with alexandra and to have this kind of relationship uh, both in life uh, and in, well, professional life, let's say, although I don't make the distinction because we only have one life, right? Uh, we talk, we work together even now at Algolia. I can't imagine working and doing things, um, entrepreneurial speaking without Alex. Yeah. And you know what? I was actually thinking, she should be here talking to you, not me, because I usually what I do, I, I do the talking, but she's the one making things happen. We will let her in next time for sure <laughs> with such a great recommendation. Uh, I was about to ask you where do you draw the line, but I, my mind switched to another direction. What do you think is more important in the, in the partner? It's, is it like the brain or like the support? Is it like the intelligence or the support that we're getting from, um, from someone? to keep doing like as inter entrepreneurs our best um i she's definitely more smarter smarter than i am uh, absolutely 100% there's no debate there um she's absolutely supportive and uh we've been supporting each other honestly um things changed uh so we we've, we've been we've uh, founded three startups, three businesses together. And we had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes, but we kind of like grew together. And I think the decisive moment when was back in, hey, 10 years ago, back in 2012, when I realized somehow that just me being, um, Jumping from the, because I have an engineering background, um, jumping in the business bandwagon and trying to understand the business side, just me, is not enough. I needed also Alexandra to, to grow with me, to understand that side of the, uh, the, the other side of the coin. And so I encouraged her to participate in 2012 um, into a startup competition in Paris where she pitched and where she got uh, uh, the third prize. So definitely the potential was there. I always uh, uh, recognize that about herself. And then things really accelerated uh, in 2016 when we got 
accepted to another accelerator with our previous startup in uh, in US. Um, it was a women-led uh, accelerator where she took the stage, where she took the front row. And it was weird for me as a CEO to have the CTO, you know, taking the, the light. Uh, but I was happy to do it because I knew that she, she could grow. And now she's an amazing leader. She's, uh, um, I do not have a single role model, but she's one of uh, the role models that I have. She's the kind of servant leader behind the scenes, influencing others without others actually even knowing it. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, an, an amazing description of a, a partner in crime and in life and in yes. startup world. Um, would you briefly take us through the, like the previous startups, like the, the ones that you founded together and then what brought them down and what did you learn from it as a, as a stoic and yeah. like with the reflection? And then we'll get into like how the idea of Morpho came to life. Yeah. I would like to ask also about the Techstars in Montreal. I, yes. Recently, I've been meeting so many people that had their startups through Techstars systems uh, really? in London, in Amsterdam, and now I'm meeting you with um, with Techstars Montreal. Yeah, Techstars, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, it's an amazing accelerator. Um, so, but, you know, talking about accelerators, the very first accelerator we went through was back in 20, 2010, mm -hmm. Startup Bootcamp in Copenhagen for three months, which was in fact the first Techstars affiliate. And our first startup then, uh, we, uh, we were three partners, including myself and Alexandra. We didn't really know what we were doing, <laughs> uh, but for us it was, yeah, uh, we were just engineers. We thought that going through an accelerator is just sitting in a corner and coding and doing your thing, which clearly it's not. Um, uh, but that was a life-changing uh, experience for us because we understood what building a tech startup means. We were absolutely not prepared for that. And so eventually after, you know, trying and trying and trying, we basically failed. Um, at the same time, what happened then was we were trying to build a product while also running a service company. We were doing projects or products for others while trying to sustain the, you know, the, the, the startup. Doesn't work. Uh, there are two different mindsets and it simply does not work. Uh, we did manage, however, to get some investments, so small seed rounds. Uh, that didn't work either because we didn't know, uh, I didn't have the experience of, um, taking people from one mindset services into a mindset of building a product. I didn't have it. I learned it afterwards and I still have a lot of things to learn, but I, for sure, I didn't have it then. I didn't have the experience of talking to investors, investors that were actually part of our company. Uh, and we did a lot of mistakes there. Yes. True, the investors was, were also in their very early stage uh, of their portfolio, uh, but we basically um, were the ones to not necessarily blame, but the ones responsible for the, uh, the ups and downs and eventually the failure of the startup. Um, and it was hard 
it was hard to decide to close, to shut down that and start Morphle. It was very, very hard. I love the way that you just draw the line between the blame and the ownership. Yeah. So thank you for this. It's, uh, uh, it, I, I think we will live in a better world. Doesn't matter what we do if we are owning the problems, not blaming yeah. ourselves or others. So we, you briefly scratched the surface on values, but this is a favorite topic of mine. Um, would you mind just sharing a couple of few important values and discuss why why do you think they are important to organizations because i believe that some people are going to recognize their own ways of forming companies uh, without having such an in-depth thought about uh, the process of values and how important they are in building teams i myself have seen startups and entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurs succeed without having the kind of values that I have or without actually thinking about values. Um, I've seen it and it's fine. It works. Uh, however, for me, um, it did not work uh, to think short term. Um, for me, um, loyalty and trust are very, very important values. Uh, and it was very interesting to see that Algolia is a company, as a company, um, have uh, five values, grit, humility, candor, care, and to tie them all together, trust. Uh, and it's not that they just have those on the walls. These people actually live these values. And that's why even in the hiring process, we dedicate half a day to talking to candidates about their values. Um, I, um, it, I was not always necessarily aware of these values when building the other startups. Uh, inevitably being in the Eastern European, we, uh, Eastern European ecosystem and culture, uh, we tend to when we close our eyes and we think about entrepreneurs, the reality is that most of the time, okay, we, we are not generalizing, let's say that we're projecting. Um, most of the times you think of aggressiveness. Uh, you think of being very confident, but in an aggressive way. Yeah. You are a ruthful. Yeah, you are a go-getter. You have to move mountains um, and so on. And while, again, that works for some, and while I also did that for a while, it did not sit well with me. And more than that, I did not want to work with these kind of people. And I was actually trying to do what uh, a lot of entrepreneurs probably hear, fake it until they make it. I was actually faking it. That was not me. And so I realized that, okay, that's short-term thinking. I have to think long-term. Uh, and that's why I, that's when um, going through Alt MBA and reading all these books. And actually in 2016, I met a, a, a person that really shifted things around for me. Uh, and that was, uh, that is G.V. Freeman. He's a, I met him when we went with Alexandra 
in uh, the accelerator that was I was mentioning mm. earlier. And we actually stayed at his Airbnb. In Copenhagen or in Montreal? It was, no, that was in US. Okay. Uh, it was all out of all the places in St. Louis, if you can okay, imagine. Yeah. And so uh, it's, again, a strange thing. Uh, it happened. Uh, we were lucky. We connected. We became friends. Uh, he became our customer with a company that uh, he was working with back then. Then he became our advisor at Morphol. Uh, and we're now friends. And he's a coach. And... This is something that I, because I also mentor other startups and first-time entrepreneurs, this is, a, uh, this is something that I encourage other entrepreneurs as well. Why uh, athletes should have coaches and entrepreneurs should not? And I think that's an idea that uh, I just stumbled upon, but I think it makes sense. If every entrepreneur out there would have a coach near them, I think startups and the values and the way we will build this ecosystem would be totally different. And so, you know, with the help of uh, GV um, and uh, through pain and struggle, I managed to develop these kind of values and I'm still working on them. Mm. I'm still working and probably I'll be working on them my entire life. Yeah, fortune has its ways, right? meet and introduce people yep. to one another. Yep. Um, it's very interesting that you, uh, you probably know it and feel, feel it, but I just want to highlight it there. You are, we are in this conversation probably around 15 minutes now, and you've talked more about the human and empathic and um, authentic um, relationships and communication and people as resources. Uh, and not about like high-tech, trendy AI no. stuff. Yeah. So uh, this is it. Just um, this is walking the talk. Thanks so much. So thank you. Tell me a bit more about um, the lessons that someone gets from from being coached by uh, another pair of eyes that sees yep. the world in another way. Um. I think one of the um, one of the best things that I got from GV uh, was um, when he told me that my startup, um, my startups, my projects are not a measure, or the success or failure of my projects and startups are not the measure of my self worth. Being an entrepreneur, uh, honestly, for me, uh, is personal. And I think it's like that for a lot of entrepreneurs. How can it be different when your work is your life and your life is your work? And so I, for so long, for so long, I attached my self-worth to the bank account, to the house that I have, to the you know, car that I own, external things. But then GV, and not only him, talking with other mentors as well, but he was a big part of that, uh, opened my eyes and realized like, hey, you're not the sum of your external uh, belongings. Um, your character is who you are. 
what you're doing when nobody else is around, that's who you are. That's your self-worth. And so um, I started, and look, I, st I understood at that point what he was trying to, to tell me. But I would still behave differently, you know, because so much of, uh, of our society is like that. And it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to be like that when you're in front of an investor and you're trying to sell your startup. It's hard to be like that when you're in front of a customer. Uh, but slowly, um, I started, you know, having or combining these two mental states, let's say. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it kind of like changed me. And it's not finished. It's not finished. I'm still working on that. I still find myself slipping uh, into the other side, into the dark side. But at least now, with the help of GV, and in general, I think through the help of a coach, at least you are aware when you're doing that. And you might be doing that in your family. You might be doing that in your team with your teammates, founders, with investors, with customers. And if we manage to, you know, catch ourselves in the act, I think that would uh, greatly increase the probability of, the end of the day, competency. Mm. Because that's, um, there's also, you can have, success is relative, right? You can have success, but you, that, that doesn't mean that you have competency. For me, clearly competency was something more important uh, hey, I've been at it for 15, 16 years. And then slight success happened. Um, not the other way around. <laughs> so I think that also helped me kind of like realize what happened to me when it happened. An amazing, an amazing quote that comes to my mind is, uh, I don't know if you've seen this on the internet, it uh, says, uh, do have be so yes. do the things you want to do to have the things that you want to have and then be like successful or entrepreneur or whatever okay. and then the actual like proper way of working is like, like identity test first it's like be do and have yeah. like being the person that you are like, yep. a successful person by internal internally not externally by like cars and so on and yes. then uh, do the things that these person is doing and then have all the success that you want to have. So um, sw switching to uh, this, this note in my mind about the bigger equal and a smaller than it's like being mentored by someone mm -hmm. better than you, a place mm -hmm. that you want to go to, uh, being like competing with someone on your level just to keep your fire uh, going and then mentoring the others and helping others to make sure that you understand what you're doing and making yep. even, even in a better way. You already mentioned your way of paying forward, like mentoring others. Would you tell me a bit more about um, the the process of mentoring others and why do you do it and how do you make sure that you're um, providing the value to the people that you're helping? I uh, took a lot of inspiration from what happened to us in uh, all of these accelerators that we've been through, but mostly um, Techstars. Um, there's this method called the Socratic method where as a like as an entrepreneur, when I see another uh, founder and entrepreneur making the mistakes, it's hard for me to, you know, stop 
and let them do that mistake. And I'm like, hey, you need to do this and that. And a lot of the mentors that I met uh, in our region, but in other, even in US and everywhere, most of them are like, hey, you need to do this and that. But the Socratic method, uh, which is uh, also described by, by text, are says something like, hey, ask questions, ask difficult, challenging questions, and let that entrepreneur, that founder, discover the truth for themselves. This is the reality. The reality is that some people understand from the mistakes of others. Uh, there are very few. Um, and others, they need to understand, like I was, I needed to actually understand from my own mistakes. It was more painful but I actually internalize it better. Trial and error. Yeah, absolutely. Trial and error is the best way of learning for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's amazing to, uh, to, to realize that everything that you were told as a kid, is like, don't do that. Don't um, yeah. uh, put your, your, your hand on the stove yeah. unless you do it. So you know what the consequences are. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, there's no way of you, um, like yeah. learning and the entrepreneurial journey is the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, asking questions is a powerful instrument. And this is like what coaching is all about, uh, mm -hmm. done in a proper way. Um, but it's hard, you know, like yeah. looking at these people and knowing, okay, he's going to make a mistake now. And uh, how can I prevent this from happening? Uh, there is no way that you can ask questions, ask questions. try to, to make, um, and Hey, even today I am being, um, mentored by leaders at Algolia uh, because I don't know how to do things. And so they are doing the same thing with me. Uh, they are asking difficult questions, challenging questions, and through by trying to answer those questions in my mind, um, I, I learn yeah. and they pretty much guide me. And I appreciate that. I mean, the, the ability to do that inside of a of a, of a company of this size, like it's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty rare. Hey, I only have Algolia to compare to, but still. Yeah. I will lend you a quote here from uh, my friend, Peter Sage. He says, the questions are the steering wheel of the mind. Yes. So uh, pretty Excellent. powerful there. Um, would you please briefly describe the Techstars Montreal process and how did you feel to get accepted in it? Um, or like few things that you learned from it. Yep. And then um, how did this help you uh, as in the journey of Morpho then Algolia? Yep. So um, in 2019, we applied, I think it was sometime in March, um, we applied to Textiles Montreal AI and we did that uh, with intent, knowing that uh, is the program that makes sense for us because we were an AI startup. It was the only one, uh, the, the theme where the theme AI was present. And so in June, uh, we had the first interview. Um, and it was with a program manager of the Techstars Montreal AI, Bruno Morenzi, an amazing, uh, an amazing leader as well. Um, and it was only like 15 or 20 minutes, the first interview. Um, it was an interview just to know us, myself, Alexandra, why we're doing this as entrepreneurs. And for that 20 minutes, we actually prepared myself and Alexandra because, hey, it's Techstars. We actually prepared an entire week and we had a kind of like a list of 100 questions that they could ask us. 
and we we would role play and wow. hey you answer that question i answer this one so that both of us can have kind of like the same time you know and exposure uh it was very calculated and we took it very seriously and even the application i mean you know we went like very seriously with uh with uh you know designing and writing that application and then the second meeting was deep dive diving deeper into the business itself i think that was 30 minutes or so and uh, we talked about the problem that we're trying to solve the solution the go to market all the good stuff uh, traction that we're having kind of like the vision for 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 morpho uh, and then the last one was a presentation in front of a uh selection committee so it was not just bruno this time it was other uh program managers from other techstar uh techstars um accelerators from all over the world but usually in uh, uh in us and canada um and of course i had i think i had a presentation of 5 minutes or so and then they would ask questions um and each of these steps Uh, after that i uh, i understood that each of after each of these steps less startups uh you know were selected yeah. were it's a filtering made, process yeah it's a filtering process and then we uh one month after uh which was an excruciating amount of time it felt like half a year or something like that we we got back from them they told us like hey um we're thinking uh, what what do you think about coming to montreal um you know to spend 3 months with us at the accelerator and I was like hey when can we start <laughs> awesome. uh and I, again something happened then um techstars for us we knew that we, if we got selected it will be our last accelerator as entrepreneurs why because the first one was startup bootcamp which was a techstar techstars affiliate okay. mm-hmm. 10 years back here we are after 10 years from that very first one where we didn't know anything about entrepreneurship 10 years where morphol was no longer our first rodeo we had um relationship with investors we were talking we had customers we had grants from google dni and european data incubator we had a lot of failures to draw experience from and so it was emotional because we knew that this was in once in a lifetime opportunity for us um and uh kind of like a nice circle you know after 10 years and we didn't even know how to react when they said that i mean it, we didn't even i mean we were happy inside of us but externally you could not see us smile and bruno said like are you guys you know that we got you selected i mean you are part of the cohort are you not happy and then when he actually said that and uh, we uh we were so tensed and we we just relaxed during the the zoom call and we started laughing and you know it was like that it was it, it was emotional for us and uh um boy we did learn a lot in that uh, in that program and especially the people mentors uh, we after the techstars we also had an advisor um uh, from the you know the the mentor network that techstars provided us so it was a, an amazing experience the industry that you're working on in tech especially mm-hmm. in ai is um constantly and very quickly 
um, changing mm-hmm. rapidly. So you need to be at the top of your game. And you, previously you mentioned two people uh, that inspire me a lot mm-hmm. and that I admire, whose work I admire. It's Seth Godin and Ryan Holiday, of course. And um, would you please tell me how did this um, MBA program by Seth Godin um, help you to be even better in, in what you do? Mm-hmm. Just uh, out of personal interest, I really want to to meet, I've met you being inside of it mm-hmm. and see like what did you uh, pick up there? Um, because it's called Alt MBA, it's not an MBA. Yeah, it's it's alter- alternative MBA. That's yeah. why it's old. It's a uh, it's a kind of like I think a one month program or one month and something. Uh, and it's all about vulnerability. Uh, it's all about um, uh, empathy, exercising all of that leadership. It's about leadership. It's not about excels. It's not about running a business with excels. Yeah. It's about that. And uh, it's about group therapy. You're put in a in a group every week. That group changes which is very interesting because life is like that. You might start a startup, a business uh, with a bunch of people, but you might end up with others. So it's very interesting like that. Um, and so it's a, it's, it was a great experience. Uh, it, it had an impact on me back then in 2019. I wanted actually to exercise more, more vulnerability. And so from that point of view, uh, it really, it really helped me, uh, but it also had kind of like a side effect after I finished the Alt MBA. I was like depressed for a month and a half because I wanted, <laughs> yeah, I wanted that feeling of actually to being, <laughs> yeah, to, to talk to those people because those people awesome. helped me grow. So it's very important to be surrounded by people that yeah. you know challenge you in a considerate way. Environment matters. Yep. Yeah. Great, great, uh, amazing. Um, quickly, let's uh, jump into a bit more technical stuff. You created Morpho to be a company that goes to like media and publishing industry mm-hmm. uh, and then pivoted to serve the e-commerce sector with yeah. these things that have barely anything in common. Would you please get us through the process? Yes. So the vision was always for Morpho to predict user behaviors. Where will you, where you would use those behaviors or predictions, it did not matter to us as a vision. We simply started with the publishing industry because uh, Google Digital News Innovation Fund was geared towards that. But uh, then talking to customers, I I started talking to customers even before uh, writing the first line of code. And I would start talking to, you know, publishers, I would start talking to gaming companies uh, and e-commerce. And of course, e-commerce was uh, an industry that um, was very interested in what we were building. This was the signal. And like I mentioned, I we went through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of failures, a lot of accelerators. And even from the previous startups that we built, pivoting from one industry to another, from one angle to another was kind of like a second nature to us. And when we noticed the response that we got from e-commerce companies, we immediately pivot, pivoted. Um, and uh, from a technical point of view, it was basically the same thing because we were we built the, the platform to be generalistic. 
uh, we just had to kind of like understand their problems better, like to change our pitch and so on. But uh, it was it was one of the best decisions that we've made. Obviously. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a bit more about the way that you keep yourself updated into like the technology? Mm -hmm. um, do you talk to people that are way, way deeper into it? Um, uh, just share a bit, yep. bit of clues on this. So I think the first and the best way to do it is to actually build the AI products. Um, uh, and I was, again, part of the uh, Algolia Recommend uh, team. Um, I'm now acting as an AI product manager for a new product that we're going to launch next year. Uh, and so I always, I'm always surrounded by machine learning engineers. Um, and it's the best way to actually understand what's happening in the, in the industry. Then I also have this podcast, uh, Get Your AI On, where I interview smart people uh, and I understand and I try to learn from them. Uh, and then, um, of course, I also read books on AI papers. I try to, uh, to keep myself up to date. Um, a few books that I can recommend and uh, they are also a little bit philosophical, of course, but uh, uh, Super Intelligence, Uh, by uh, Nick Bostrom is uh, very interesting. The um, uh, Citizen's, Citizen's Guide to Artificial Intelligence is another one. Uh, John Zarelli, actually, he, he was, uh, he was, he's one of my, uh, my guests uh, on the podcast. Uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting um, uh, book. Uh, and it kind of like opens your eyes. Uh, I also had a fellow Romanian um that he's studying in uh, in in uh, um Netherlands uh talking about out of all the possible topics on AI and god so while that's not necessarily about technology itself hard skills you know how to code AI you know it makes you wonder it makes you ask these questions It makes you think, think um, differently about stuff. And so much of what we're building with AI, um, so much of it has a lot of implication on the ethical um, you know, layer. And we don't talk about that uh, uh, too much in AI startups or in AI companies. Yeah. Or enough. More enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Um, Last, last, uh, almost we're getting to the end of our conversation. Last but not least, of course, it's always important the mental and physical health of the founders and the, the leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you manage to keep yourself, uh, as the Stoics said, you know, they did boxing, they did uh, a lot of stuff that yeah. um, helped them persevere. How do you treat yourself? Yeah, uh, I, I struggle with that. Uh, for me, what works is uh, I play tennis. Um, I, um, I like to play tennis. I go to the gym. Um, unfortunately, not that often. Um, but what help, helps me the most is actually reading philosophy. And I know it sounds very boring, but in my vacation this summer, and I'm actually planning the one in the winter, I just want to, to read philosophy. Uh, honestly, um, for me, reading philosophy is simply therapeutical. 
Mm. That's it. Uh, I don't know how to talk about philosophy. Don't ask me things like smart things. Um, I don't always understand things that I'm reading. I don't. I simply don't. But I'm trying. I'm doing my best. But it gets me into a state of mind that um, is tranquil, uh, that is kind of like calm. And I'm trying to get that into you know, the other side of my mental fitness. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep that. Of course, after two, three days, it goes away. But, you know, it's a, you know, we forget and we remind ourselves about these things and you start again and yeah. again. Books are compounding. So keep up the, yeah. the great, the great, the great way of your handling yourself. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Chip, it has been really an amazing journey through leadership and values and technology, more about actually the person side of things than uh, towards the, the business and uh, stuff that everyone can read on Algolia's website or um, on LinkedIn profiles. So last thing I would ask to, uh, I would like to ask uh, the question that uh, we do every single person that comes on the podcast. And what would you like to be remembered for? Oh my God. Uh, that's very complicated. Um, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. I know that it has to, has to be something about impact, but I don't honestly don't know more than that. The shape and form of that impact. I don't know. I'm, I'm searching for it myself. Is there anyone allowed to say that you are not um, supposed to answer this question? So thank you very much for this honest, really honest and uh, um, valuable uh, ending to our amazing, amazing conversation. I, I, I think we're, we just barely started, but uh, we will leave the, continui the continuity of this conversation for uh, on maybe a next episode. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Ciprian Brodescu, wish you and Algolia and Alex, of course, uh, more and more success and inspiring other people in the Southeastern Europe region uh, that are dreaming of building a startup or being exiting to a, an amazing company with a similar values to theirs. Uh, thank you for uh, lending us our time and um, all the best. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the Recursive Podcast yet again. Uh, you know that in order to get such content next week, you would need to subscribe to our channels. Can't wait to have you back. See ya. In the next episode of the Recursive Podcast, Georgi talks to the co-founder of Rcreate, a platform for sustainable packaging solutions for e-commerce players. Meet Adina Huma. And of course, I was pushing, you know, I wanted more, I wanted faster, I wanted better, I wanted... And everyone was like, hold on, <laughs> calm down, okay? Um, and after a, few, uh, a while, I, I realized that, uh, I mean, I, maybe I actually, I, I shouldn't, you know, interfere in their life because uh, they are doing great what they're doing since a lot of years. And nothing actually, uh, I can't promise them if they're gonna go my way, it's gonna be better. I, I don't know, okay? So, I mean, there were like four or five with one idea and I was on the other side and I said, no, I think, I think we should, you know, stay each, each person with his own uh, path. Then I tried to, um, 
I had this idea. Um, uh, of course, there is a lot of um, bad wording uh, in Romania about Romania. Uh, and each time I, I traveled abroad and you know I, I stayed in a few countries, uh, when I went back in Romania, I was like, why everybody's talking so badly about this country? I mean, why we're doing it? We, we could, you know, rephrase it. Of course, it's nothing, you know, perfect, but I, I stayed in Canada for, for a few, for a while, and uh, everybody was so proud of being Canadian, and none of them, they were Canadians. I mean, Canada has Canadians like 9%. Everybody's from other, uh, from somewhere else, um, and I was okay. And then I started to 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 make like a business uh, of um, uh, traveling, um, or and or in the an event to show to Romanians, you know, the beauty of this country and what we can uh, bring out. And that was uh, that was better than the first one. <laughs> And then, uh, and then uh, with Linda, we tried to make another business, but uh, uh, after a few months, we, we realized that the spot was already taken. And then we, we got into this point. And if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive Podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.